questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. From the words of tonight's special guest, we live in a world of illusion. Nothing is what it appears to be. All we see are the surface layers, which form an intricate interlocking system of falsehood and deception. Nothing really works the way we think it does. Most of the things we have been taught to believe are true, turn out to be lies. No one is immune from this. If you're listening to these words, then you too have been the victim of this deception. Many people will not want to believe that, and they surely won't. I tell you that it is true anyway. The fact that you are unaware of it does not mean that it has not occurred. Rather, it serves as a demonstration of the subtlety and efficiency of a methodical, meticulously planned combination of disinformation and propaganda, which has been specifically designed to prevent us from being able to see the underlying truths about our world. These truths hold great power. They confer an enormous advantage to those who are aware of them. For this reason, they are revealed only to a carefully selected few. Those who are made aware of them operate covertly, standing unseen in the shadows and working behind the scenes. From there, they pull the strings of power, which allow them to control the world. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Derek Tyler has spent most of his life studying and trying to understand the phenomenon of alien contact. He's had several sightings during his life, the most spectacular of which occurred in 1984, which lasted for over 40 minutes and involved a pair of United States Air Force fighter aircraft as well. He's an abductee as well as a MyLab, in addition, he has interviewed or spoken with thousands of abductees over the past 20 years, as well as the opportunity to speak to a wide variety of inside sources. Derek has established a reputation as one of the most well-informed, accurate, and insightful sources to be found within the UFO community. Derek is the author of two books, Alien Contact, The Difficult Truth, and Alien Contact, Paradigm Shift. Both are linked on our website. And directly from Seattle, Washington... I'd like to introduce Derek Tyler. Hello, Derek, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for being with me today. And we've been trying to get in touch with you for quite a while because I saw a presentation, I believe it was the Contact in the Desert one, and I was really impressed with you. In fact, I told you, you reminded me a bit of Phil Schneider. Do you ever get that? Uh, sometimes, yeah. I hope not because he got killed. <laughs> oh, that's but, true. But yeah, I, th I think what you saw probably was from Contact in the Desert. 
That's correct. Okay, well, let's begin with the Phil Schneider part. I mean, a lot of people probably tell you that you sound like Phil Schneider. Probably, I don't know, you don't think it's a compliment because he's still, he's, he's not around with us, right? Well, yeah, he he told the truth a little bit too too boldly, I, I assume. And uh, they took him out. And that's that's very typical of what happens to people sometimes. They're very serious about keeping their secrets. Let's begin with your story, Derek. Just take us back where you grew up, the experiences you had as a child, and I want to go in chronological chronological order. Well, I grew up in central Washington. I I didn't I didn't have any extraordinary experiences as a child. I, I might have had one sighting, but uh, I was always interested in the topic. Of course, I'm 60 years old right now, so when I grew up, it was when I was a kid. It was when Apollo and and uh, Gemini were being run and launched, so there was a big, a big uh, popularity for astronauts and space program back then, of course. And so I was always interested in that type of thing. We used to show up at school at six in the morning so we could watch the Apollo missions lift off. And uh, it wasn't until later that I learned that NASA is is uh, basically a PR agency. And that they they basically never speak the truth to us. So, uh, but at the time, I was just a kid. I had no idea of those things. In 1984, I had a rather spectacular sighting. Um, I was standing out in my parents' yard just as the sun was going down in, on a summer night. And uh, I saw a, a large craft come up over a hilltop a little ways away and, and hover right beside a, a hospital. And it was it was brightly lit up. I, I describe all this fully in my first book. Um, I thought it would I thought it would go away. You know, most sightings only last for a few seconds or a minute or two at the most. But it didn't go away. It just kept sitting there. And about 20 minutes later, I was, I was timing it. I had a watch on. I was timing it. And 20 minutes later, a pair of F-16s came in from. Uh, well, they had to come in from Fairchild Air Force Base near Spokane. It takes them almost exactly 20 minutes to get to where I was on a full afterburner. So, so they were basically informed of this this craft and launched immediately. As soon as I saw this this craft, and there's no question that that's what it was. It was hovering just a few feet above the ground. I, if a person would have been near it, I could have walked up to it and slapped it. It was so low. And uh, all the hair on my body stood straight on end. It's only twice in my life that that's ever happened, and that was the first time. Second time was when I stepped on board an aircraft carrier that was carrying nuclear weapons. I didn't think you'd be able to tell the difference, but you can. As soon as I stepped on board that craft, all my hair stood on end. I mean, on board that ship. It was the, the USS Hornet. Um, I tried. My parents were inside the house. I ran inside. before the. This was before the planes got there. I ran inside, hollered at them to look out the window, they wouldn't do it. My dad said, saw one in the Navy, don't care. My mom said, if your dad doesn't care, I don't care. And they were sitting right beside the window. All they had to do was open the curtain. They could have seen this thing. I knew I knew at the time that it was going to be the most spectacular sighting in my life because I, I didn't see how anything could, could top it, you know. Um, it, was a, it was like a double convex-shaped craft. It had a row of, of lights around the center line. Four colors, red, blue, yellow, and green. And they they were changing colors in a, in a way that looked like it, it made it look like they were 
they were um, circling around the outside of the craft, but they weren't really. It was just a, a, the lights changing colors in sequence. And all over the rest of the craft, it had what looked like flash bulbs popping off at random spots and times. And I had no idea what I was doing there. It was the last place I ever expected to see a UFO. It was a, a specialized hospital for people that were severely retarded and needed full-time uh, constant care. So um, on my, I, I, when I was inside trying to grab my folks, I, they had a real nice camera with a telephoto lens. I grabbed the camera. I said, where's your film? My mom says, oh, we don't have any film. We weren't going to take any pictures until Christmas. Oh. So I was going, oh, you know, can my luck get worse? This, this new so, generation does not understand how catastrophic <laughs> the feeling is that when that happens, huh? Oh, man. I mean, if, if they would have had some film on that camera, I would have gotten some of the best photographs of UFO that anyone ever got because the night was clear. I had a, a perfect view of this thing. Um, so I decided on the way out, I'd, I'd call 911 and get the cops up there. At least let them know what's going on. I called them, I called them up uh, since it was after 9 o'clock. The sheriff's department answered the phone. It was a small town I was in. I said, "There's a you got to get up to the, the Yakima Valley School. What's the name of this facility? I said, there's a UFO up there. And they hung up on me. So I looked up the newspaper real quick. I called them. I said, I said you need to get a photographer up to Yakima Valley School. There's a UFO. And they hung up on me. So I said, well, my luck can't get any worse than this. So I guess I'll just have to watch it by myself. So I went back outside and and about almost exactly 20 minutes after it appeared, a pair of F-16s came blasting in from the direction of Fairchild Air Force Base, which is near Spokane, directly east of, of where I was. Um, and it takes them almost exactly 20 minutes to get there at full afterburners. I know that because a friend of mine's brother used to pilot an F-16 out of Fairchild, and that's what he told us about 10 years before this happened. Um, the F-16s came in and they started – they tipped their noses up the way that they do when they want to fly slowly, you know, so that they don't fall out of the sky at low speeds. And they started one at a time buzzing this craft. They were getting down within just probably three feet of it, it looked like, just very close to it, one at a time. One of them was turning around, starting to come back while the other one was completing its buzz. And they, the craft completely ignored them like they were like they were mosquitoes that didn't matter. And they didn't shoot at it, but they were clearly armed and clearly quite unhappy with its presence there. And this went on for 22 more minutes. And the underneath the craft was was obscured from my view because it was sitting up on the top of a hill, but there were some trees planted down lower on the hill, and the tops of the trees were blocking my view from what was happening under the craft. So I couldn't see who or what came out of it or who or what was taken into it. I assume that they didn't stop there by accident for 42 minutes, which was the total time of the sighting. There was something in that hospital that they wanted, and I assume that they got it. I'd, I'd like to have had a head count before and after they came of the people that, that were residents there. Um, but after 42 minutes, it it lifted up in the air a little bit, just enough to barely clear this hill that had come over that was behind it, and went over the hill and down behind it, out of sight. The fighter's still buzzing it the whole way. But um, after that, nobody could tell me they weren't here. Nobody could tell me that our military didn't know it. And nobody could tell me that the military didn't consider at least some of them to be hostile and, and unwelcome. Uh, 
So that's uh, that's not much knowledge, but it's a good start. It's some people can spend their whole lifetimes um, studying this and never get those answers for sure. And I got them just as a bonus all in one night. So after that, after you see something like that, you want to learn everything that that you can about them, of course. Do you think this was the eureka moment or the trigger event that propelled yeah, you uh, to be a researcher? Sure. Because because it was so spectacular that it was it was it was undeniable what I was looking at. There's no question. We didn't have even our secret programs didn't have any technology that could do what this craft was doing. Just hovering silently. It was, it was it was about the circumference of this craft was probably twice as long as the F-16s. So it was it was big, you know. And and there was no question that I was looking at an alien craft. And after that, I wanted to know everything that I could find out about them. Did you have any encounters after this event? Well, I did. I, I, I ended up being an abductee. It's very possible that I could have been one before, but I didn't know it. Most people who are abducted never realize that it's even happened to them because they delete the memories out of your mind, you know. And they're quite good at that, actually. But it doesn't always work. And I started getting abduction memories probably when I was in my mid-30s. I was, I was, I guess, 28 when I had that first sighting. But in my mid-30s, I started getting memories of, of being abducted. And so I knew exactly that, what was going on because I'd already, by that time, I'd already interviewed over 2,000 abductees. So before that, the, the event at the age of 28, you were not interested in this topic? This just happened for two years? Oh, no, I was, I was very interested in it, but I didn't have, I wasn't, I wasn't driven. Right. Uh, I, I mean... After that, there was nothing else I wanted to do except worse, worse than, than learn about aliens, you know. Because before that, I was going, well, you know, maybe they're here, maybe they're not. Probably are. But after that, I knew they were here, and I wanted to know who they were and why they were here and why they were considered to be dangerous, some of them. So that's what launched that, uh, uh, you know, and my curiosity is still lit to this very day from that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask you an unorthodox question right at the beginning. Many people ask me the same question. How do we know when somebody gets abducted and you see this technology that wipes your memory? Some people have full recollection, but most people do not. How do we know that it's not actually my lab, our military it's conducting often, these? Often it, is, often it is the military. That's correct. And there is, it is very difficult to know because... As I learned later, I, I ended up getting some, some pretty serious inside connections later. It's described in the first book also. And one person that I talked to was, uh, uh, at the time, he was a colonel in the Air Force. And he retired later as a brigadier general. And he'd spent his whole career in black ops. And he was kind enough to sit me down and clue me in a few times about these th type of things. And he said that the military has ways to... Um, simulate being aliens that they they use alien technology and and um, very very intricate disguises apparently that that they want people to believe that they are being abducted by aliens when it's really the military Precisely. that way that way nobody will believe them if they tell and uh, the military will never get caught. Precisely my point: if they're able with technology to extract thoughts or memories of the event, what tells us that they don't have the ability to implant or to add memories that are false? They do. 
they do have that ability and they use it all the time. They, it's called screen memories. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of that. They, they will replace what really happened with a screen memory so that if you do happen to remember something, because, because the memory erasure technology is not foolproof. You know, sometimes it doesn't completely work. Sometimes I think that they they do it to so many people that they just get bored and, and slack. And sometimes and sometimes they it's just not completely done. I ended up having quite a few legitimate memories from my abductions, mostly I think because I had a tendency to wake up as soon as they brought me back. And when that happens, if you write them down, you can sometimes remember some of the things that have happened to you. If you wait until morning, probably not. Almost like a dream. Yes. If, if you wait until morning, at the most, you'll think you just had a weird dream. And you really won't remember it. And it'll, you know, within a few more hours, it'll be completely gone. Why do you so, think that you were the subject of an abduction? Do, do you have anybody in your family that was abducted before that you know of? Not that I know of, but normally uh, they do follow genetics down right. through the generations. So uh, no one in my family, if they were abducted, they didn't know it, you know. And I wouldn't have expected them to know it because... The, the topic of abductions has only really been um, public for, what, 30 years? Yeah. It, yeah since, since, since Bud Hopkins came along, really. That was, I think, in the 80s. So uh, I don't know that they have or not, but but they have um, they have certain things that they look for in people when they abduct them. And, and I'm told by someone that should know that if you're abducted by the military, you've already been abducted by aliens first. And then the military wants to know why they took you, so they come and take you also. That's what I hear all the time. And by the way, abductions became more popular or prevalent, the stories, if you will, in the 80s. But we had the stories of, you know, Beatty and Barty Hill from the 60s right. and, and much others. But exactly what you said, I remember a conversation with Melinda Leslie, who told me the same thing, that people get abducted. And then, of course, the government can come and say, oh, Mr. Tyler— would like you to come down to the base so we can interview you and you can tell us what happened is they would be admitting that they know that this is happening. But if they do it in a covert way and pretend to be an abduction, then they can get all the information. Same with what do you call it? Uh, the cattle mutilation. I've right. been told that a lot of times it's actually the government doing that to take a look at the certain parts of the tissue of the cattle to see how much radiation they have, for example. Have you heard that no, too? No, the reason they're doing it, as far as I understand it, is because the gray aliens require human blood. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The, the, the little grays, the classic ETs, you know, the ones that are most, most usually associated with abductions, they are um, they're artificially engineered organisms. They're Bio not robots. a naturally occurring race. Bio-robots? Yes, they're, they're sort of... They're sort of, um, yeah, bio-robots is a good way to put it, I guess. And they are used to do the dirty work for another race, basically. And they are not uh, very good pilots, which is they're responsible for most of the crashes that we find. And <laughs> they, because they are a, they're like a cyborg, okay? That's the word I was trying to think of. They're like a cyborg. But they do not have a digestive system like we do. They don't have a, a trachea. They don't have a esophagus, a stomach, anything like that. But they do require nutrients. So what the way that they the way that they feed themselves is they they soak the nutrients in through their pores in their skin, and that is also how it's excreted. A lot of people that go on board a gray spaceship and have memories of it 
will say that it stinks horribly yeah. inside there is because they they basically smear uh, uh thank you for listening to unlock the full two-hour interview including video formats downloads transcripts exclusive articles and more subscribe to veritas plus now gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008 just click subscribe at veritasradio.com because you don't want to believe you want to know subscribe now to listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material proceed to the veritas plus member section or join the veritas plus family by subscribing click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com don't forget to visit the veritas store for focused life force energy get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required and if you want to get in touch with mel want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it, because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.